Wednesday? Do we know an Evelyn? I don't think so. Why? No, we got some weird mail under the door. I didn't know if it was another, like, episode spotlight or something. Nothing I'm aware of? What's it say? I don't know, it's not even mail. It's just, like, cardstock with a stamp on it like you get from the dentist's office. The handwriting is super messy. Here. To whom it may concern, I hope my trust in you is not misplaced. Look for more from me soon. Love, Evelyn. Yeah, I don't know what this is. <laughs> I, I don't know what this is! Alright, it's probably nothing. It's no Spotify review, but I guess I appreciate it. Alright, uh, let's get everything set up for the episode. Welcome back, listeners. Thank you for joining us tonight in the Creepypasta Book Club, the podcast where we read, analyze, and discuss significant creepypastas, no sleeps, and web horror flash fiction. We are your hosts, Jonah. And Wednesday. And we are back with Showers Part 2, bringing back with us our guest from the first Showers episode. Hi, my name is KT. When I saw there had been five years past, I had, I had such high hopes for this story. Oh, I, I I shouldn't have let you get your hopes up. I, I should have told you when you came into it <laughs> that it was uh, that it was not going to be good. Hi, welcome back. Jack picks up his story five years later, acknowledging the popularity of the original showers. For a while, he used it as a pickup line to fuck girls at bars until he met Karen. They bonded over having bipolar and had an on again, off again fling fueled by copious substances. Karen was also a shower super fan and would have him repeat the story to her over and over, but eventually just telling wasn't enough, and Karen decided they needed to go find the showers. One night, she catches him off guard and convinces him to do it, and then drives him to Nebraska while he's too drunk to say no. They make it to Broken Bow, and at the first gas station they stop at, a very young woman repeats the words that the very old woman said to Jack years ago when Karen asks about the showers, glaring at Jack the whole time. Or was she? Ooh. <laughs> Eventually, they find the patch of trees where the shower's barn is hidden. They pull up, but he and Karen find that the barn has been demolished. Jack tries to convince Karen that the road trip is over so they can go home, but she's not having any of it. They get into a blowout fight, and Karen discovers the cellar entrance hidden under the ice in the field. She goes down into the tunnel, and after some debate, Jack follows her. He slips on ice and tumbles down the tunnel in the darkness. He turns his phone on and sees the filthy child in the gown, except he doesn't because he's hallucinating and having a breakdown now. He hears the cry of a dying deer. Jack convinces himself that the showers are a place he invented and populated with his own fears and traumas. Karen finds him. She doesn't understand what's here and why he wouldn't take her before. Freezing water pours down on him from a shower head above and then from all the showers in the room. He dissociates, seeing through Mr. Maze's eyes, until Karen is knocked down by something and they both crawl away. They find a wall and feel their way along it, and then end up falling onto a muddy path. Jack finds a flashlight. The light barely helps, but they can navigate by it a little. The deer wailing starts again. The flashlight dies, and another light comes on from the wall, illuminating the shape of a buck, which suddenly looks up at them. They open the red door, but the tunnel beyond is mostly collapsed. The buck comes up behind them, now joined by more dirty road-clad children, some with antlers. 
Karen grabs a shower head and yanks it off the wall. She hands it to Jack, and he smashes out the nearest bulb, and all the lights go out. They are surrounded by animals and kids screaming in the dark, and then suddenly they all vanish, as their friend Brian, who drives the car, shines a light down the hole Jack made in the ceiling all those years ago, and throws a rope down. They escape and go home, and Jack and Karen deservedly break up. Jack goes to therapy and decides that the showers belong to everyone, so you should use them for your own purposes and turn them into a real urban legend. He's now teaching at a community college creative writing course, and God help us all. (laughs) (laughs) So what do we fucking think? Showers part three, the second one, is like, I just finished having food poisoning, and it's all like (laughs) agony and retching, but like when it's over, I learned more about myself, and like appreciate what my body could withstand and you consider like your role in the microbic ecosystem yeah if the original showers has trouble getting off the ground i would say showers 2 does not make it off the ground 100 <laughs> percent. it takes so long to get to the point about any it is the mumble core of no sleep. Like, I don't think he actually wants to be writing horror in this moment. Dylan Sindelar, from what we know about him, from the way that he writes, the way that he talks, the way that he wrote Emil Anderson, yeah. one of the things that, that stuck out to me, like the line that stuck out to me so much, was when he's talking about the movie, the Coen Brothers movie, right? Inside, I mean, Lewin is what I'm gonna say, inside Lewin Davis. The specific phrasing of it, he says, Watching the Coen Brothers 2013 flick inside Lewin Davis. This tells you so much about who this author is. Most people would say, like, we were watching a movie or say the name of the movie. But having to point out that it's a Coen Brothers movie and then saying the name. It's a really strange, like, virtue signal towards being, like, intelligent or tasteful in terms of the arts. Especially because he has to emphasize just how many times he's seen this, you know, super well-regarded movie, actually. Like, to prove how how smart he is. Like, you are a specific type of guy, and I know who you are. Like, the literary genre of artists coming to age is not, like, age-related, but, like, you coming to fruition, like, realizing your mastery and stepping into, like, the scene as an artist. Mm -hmm. Stories like this are, like, reverse that like anti that and (laughs) like other genres get like tacked onto it but it's ultimately about artist angst and stuff it just isn't scary enough or horror enough to justify any of this melodrama yeah it really is just melodrama throughout i don't understand the purpose of writing this except what i have to presume is like the emotional purpose as the author of The Showers, right? It gets deeply self-filating at times. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's a wank-off. Has there ever been one of these, like, uh, I'm suffering for my art, I'm an artist, here's really non-subtle ways I'm doing art and views and stuff that hasn't been, like, just... I sent you... Wednesday, the note that I took because I was so exasperated in the moment. Girl, the showers would not get you pussy. Be real. Yeah. No, this ate my brain alive today. (laughs) (laughs) 
I like really tried to envision. I was like, okay, whatever. I'm a lesbian. Okay, okay. They have like a, like a dikey bartender telling me this story, and I like can't imagine the situation where that leads me to her house or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> like you'd have to already have like a pre-established interest. And you're like, wow, this is cringe, but I'm I'm getting it tonight. That's the thing. What he is describing is the fantasy of every, like, straight guy writer who's like, I'm so, like, talented and charismatic that I'm gonna be, like, charming with a girl at a bar and, like, tell her stories and stuff and, like, she's gonna, like, uh, head over heels for me and wanna come fuck me. It's that exact power fantasy. Except when stuff like that happens (sighs) in reality, it's because... That girl wanted to fuck you already, and she is tolerating yeah. your lame story that she hates so that she can fuck you. Genuinely. Yeah. <laughs> like, I Yes. On top of that, the way he delivers it is this so, like, woe is me. I was a piece of shit having sex with a different lady every night. Yeah, it's Maroon 5. Like, their whole shtick yeah. is doing, like... It's that exact posture, except I don't believe that Dylan Sindelar fucks. It's one thing for that to be in a, a song with a band or like a movie <laughs> or a book. We're on reddit.com. No, for real. I kept hitting points in the story where I was like, yeah, this is on, it's good this is on Reddit. This is where it should be. <laughs> it doesn't deserve any better than being on Reddit. He He tries to sell himself as this charismatic narrator, but if he is... Why is he so bad at telling the story in a charismatic or engaging way? Why are you so insufferable while you're telling me this story if you're supposed to be, like, suave and, and interesting? I don't know why authors feel the reason to do this. Like, if you want to be, like, a, a cringe little weird artist, just go do that. You don't have to be, like, a sex bomb, drug addict, 19 <laughs> apartments, babes and cars. Like, just be the stereotype of someone who's, like, into writing it's okay. I want to affect your story negatively. <laughs> it would make it so much better if he was just like, I'm a little weirdo about stuff. That's who I am now. Yeah. The story won't let you feel anything about anything without being told. Like, okay, have him be like a guy who tries this out on girls at bars, and it usually doesn't work, but it does with Karen because she's a fucking insane freak. That would be a more interesting story already. Yeah. That would be something. And also because she recognizes it as a creepypasta. Yeah. <laughs> That's just a mutual interest. In- yeah. <laughs> okay, two prongs. He refuses to let us develop our own thoughts about Karen. We're being told all the time how to think and feel about her instead of just letting her be, like, awful. And a second prong is... This could have been, like, about the dangers of getting in, like, a relationship with someone who only sees you as, like, a thing of a- like, they're, like, just, like, a fan of a thing you did one time, right? They have this, like, what seems to be very clearly, like, a toxic codependent relationship. He describes this kind of, like, game of manipulation where he's afraid that if he, like, finishes the story- she will get bored of him and leave. So he keeps, like, having a little peace, and that's what leads to this road trip. Never at any point is there, like, anything that is, like, oh, this is the... 
like like people talk about like those kind of like problematic relationships in fiction but like they're hot there's chemistry there's something <laughs> that like keeps driving mm-hmm. it's like what do you guys do when do you have fun it sounds like you just get mad at each other it doesn't even seem to be particularly torrid i mean it's because he cannot write chemistry on the page when he does the whole sh- like the really cringy suicide conversation Ugh. first of all so oh my 2012 God. feeling like we can talk about suicide with each other really honestly and like in a really frank way where like it would make most people uncomfortable as if 2018 wasn't the year of killing myself jokes First of all, yeah, we were talking. Really <laughs> good. Yeah, we were talking. We were talking because we were angry about the story, <laughs> and it's like I personally have never had a conversation that sounded anything remotely like this. Like some <laughs> fake bitch shit is what this conversation is. <laughs> but but like when they're having that conversation, it just feels. So, yeah, it it feels fake. It feels really wooden. It doesn't feel like there was any sort of actual play going on here in any of their conversations. Like, even if it was supposed to be this, like, you know, hanagram toxic manipulator, like, back and forth kind of thing that we're supposed to buy into, that has some kind of push and pull to it. Like, there is banter and there is a feeling of some kind of desire that's manifesting in in this conversation and that's just never there it's just it's just the bad parts of the hanagram shtick which is like the bad poetry i wrote a note and i don't remember specifically where i was thinking of at this point but it was like him describing them hanging out in their apartment or whatever He's just kind of describing something mundane, and I think it was, like, the thing about her dad killing himself or something. But I just had the thought yeah. that the exposition barges into this paragraph like Cosmo Kramer. That there's no, like, build-up to this important <laughs> thing. It's just, like, we're talking about this, now we're talking about that. Conceptually, I really like that. Like, if this was, like, if this was, like, Seinfeld but fucked up and twisted. The point where he talks about her dad is when she's gotten a roadie. Uh, for herself. Yeah, they're talking about, like, drinks, and then... <laughs> yeah, they're they're just, like, in the car fucking around. They've just, like, stopped off at Sonic, and she's made a drink, which is mostly vodka with some cherry limeade in it. Yeah. Cough syrup core. Even, like, really heavy, like, hard drinkers don't generally, like, pound vodka that way, right? Like, if you're drinking a... 32-ounce Sonic cup. If you're doing three parts vodka, one part cherry limeade, that's 24 ounces of vodka. That's three cups. That's 16 standard drinks of vodka. Yeah, he's like, I took a swig of whiskey to settle my stomach. Yeah, whiskey, the, the drink famously for knowing to be able to do that, yeah. And they all remain so lucid throughout this yeah they're not acting actually drunk like if she drank three quarters of that of vodka she is throwing up she is pissing herself she's asleep in that van he was there's, there's no way she's yeah. conscious walking like, around this fucking abandoned lot ah uh, and there's like we're not allowed anything yeah it's maybe the most surreal part of this is how often he 
<laughs> Name specific drinks that seem to have no effect as they keep getting drunk. <laughs> he he loves naming really specific things. Like he loves just name drop things in mm-hmm. ways that feel really awkward. Like he's obviously trying to do like a little mise en scène, right? He's trying to set the stage, yeah. and make it feel like a lived-in world populated by real people who do things that you can relate to, like cherry limeade <laughs> and bright eyes. But it just feels like drawing the line between, like, Johnny Truant and Pat Bateman, right? Like, oh their God, vocal yeah. mannerisms are, are meeting in this horrible <laughs> synergy here. There's this specific... I cannot go to, like, every time he technically fails at writing. Um, <laughs> but there's this part that's like, I took a sip of the drink and winced. It was about one quarter limeade to three quarters cheap vodka. Burnett's, I groaned. And the thing is, like, I know what Burnett's is, and so it's like, he winces because of the the proportion of alcohol, but he's also wincing because of the brand, and it's, like, weird, awkward and, like... Okay, this is just, like, a hot dog fantasy. It's, like... A, a what? A, a, a hot dog fantasy? Like, uh, like components of, of meat oh. and stuff <laughs> in, into a <laughs> It's not sure. like, it's, like, it's composite sausage, okay. Yeah. Go on. Like, okay. Uh, <laughs> like... They're down and out, not in their preferred fields. They're they're on their last petty bartenders, but they, they can request time off. They have brand preferences. They're like yuppie core on a road trip. They're cultured. Like, yeah, sure, a person like this could exist, but none of these parts mesh in any meaningful way. They're just there. And reaching back to her being like, him just dropping like her dad's suicide and stuff he presents her as a a deeply tragic figure compared to him who's like whatever but yet she's accused of like wanting to like trauma bond with him and then like this experience is so awful and jarring that it really traumatizes her and they just float apart like what are you talking about what is any of this yeah oh my god the way that he frames her whole shit up against his situation with the showers. She thinks that she's so hard and she can deal with anything. Like, I, I don't think that this was his intention necessarily. This is just the way that it comes across. Like, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt and say that he probably did not mean to set it up this way. But the way that it ends up coming across is that she thinks that she's this, like, tough, hard-ass girl who's been through it all. And she doesn't understand why he's not letting her in because like she wants to understand and like compare scars and like she ends up being like shattered and and like mind destroyed by Jack's trauma as punishment for like not believing in his suffering but also it's totally undersold by the fact that like Nothing, Nothing happens. happens. Yeah. Like, yeah, they get scared in a room for like 10 minutes. No, his head bounces around that floor for good. <laughs> okay, yeah, he, he hits his head and he like hallucinates some shit and he, he has like a fucking, he has a psychotic mind trip or whatever. But like, nothing happening in the real world other than I guess being approached by some scary children in the dark very briefly is like that fucked up. like from karen's perspective she was in like a scary room for 10 minutes and then her boyfriend's annoying stoner friend came and rescued her like (laughs) 
She got wet from water and, like, was in the dark. (laughs) Oh, well, also just the way it plays out is, like, this thing that is in, like, shitty horror movies. um, Or it's, like, a similar to a thing like Stephen King will do sometimes where it's like, oh, this woman is like getting mad at him and be like, we going to, you're going to stop now. And she's like, I'm going in. And then like, yeah, almost immediately yeah. after she gets in there, she's like, what's going on? Oh no. And it's like, okay, great. <laughs> awesome woman representation. Yeah. Like she exists to be hysterical. Like, yeah. Like, she, she thinks that she can handle it, but she immediately gets in over her head. One of the things that pissed me off so much was she pulls the shower head off the wall and then hands it to Jack. She doesn't start doing shit with it. He goes out of his way to be like, she has a mean right hook to like imply like, oh yeah, she's like a tough girl who can fight for herself. But then in the moment where it would count for her characterization, he does yeah. not give her that agency as a character. He has her hand the agency off to Jack. And he doesn't even fucking, he doesn't fucking do anything with it. He doesn't take fucking pot shots. He doesn't start swinging that shit around. He just fucking knocks no, the yeah. light out and is like, okay, I guess we're going to die together in the dark. <laughs> what the <laughs> fuck? What just happened? <laughs> One thing that really, really, really made me, like, upset this time around <laughs> i read it like a hot decade ago um yeah it was him trying really really hard to be like you don't know what happened the first one i want to mind freak you like you told us. <laughs> she read the story on the internet yeah yeah also why is she so fixated on like getting the truth out of him you read it like girl's a story on reddit.com and that's the version of the story that he continuously alleges is the only true or like the closest to true version of the story and the ones that he tells out loud are the are the bullshit stories right yeah and 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 that's why he can't go back and read the original showers because like it's it's so traumatic for him so what is the like what's the conflict here that's happening it's just a story that undermines itself like every turn style like the only reason that this exists is because dylan sindelar was getting lonely he was feeling forgotten by the internet had not written anything for a really long time and was like oh i know what to do i'm gonna write about how amazing my story is it's so bizarre he got popular really fast but like didn't build on that and like you can't just exist on just being popular alone, you know? The thing is, the thing that he did not understand is that the reason he got popular is because he looked like a generally attractive, like, emo band member. That's why he got popular in the way that he did at the time that he did, is because he was, like, good-looking for the space that he was in. Like, not to be a hater, but... It, it comes back around to the, the, the story at the bar problem where he thinks that this is like a like a real vision of the world that we are going to buy into for this character because he's not parsing the fact that if a woman at a bar wants to go home with him it's probably not because they're swooning over his storytelling prowess he's also the bartender so like if you haven't found anyone by the end of the night you know who's still there (laughs) 
Oh, I love this world we're painting. Like, I actually did not have high hopes. I was like, oh, this sucks already. And I was trying really hard to find things I like. But um, there were, like, bits where it was like, oh, it would be cool if this, like, went somewhere. Like, the stuff of, like, is the lady looking at him or not What in the gas station? But then that kind of, like, immediately gets ruined by he's like, but it might have just been in my head. Like, yeah, I know. I understand implying. (sighs) Yeah, he, he can't just leave anything alone. And, like, that mixes kind of interestingly with, like, his headache just keeps getting worse the closer he gets to it. And I'm like, is there something, like, bigger, more, like, metaphysical here? And it's like, Mm -hmm. no, he's just really, really bummed about it. (laughs) <laughs> the story bravely asks the question can you have psychological horror without any components that make up psychology or horror <laughs> yeah I mean this story wants to be about trauma like in a really like, op- like yeah to, to the point that he says like this story is about my trauma almost verbatim it has a weird like generational trauma that doesn't I, I don't know what he's intended to do with it but he's like i'm going for echoes of these men I'm- yeah he's he's like framing mr mace as like a father figure to him basically which is like sure sure he knew the guy for like six months though yeah yeah <laughs> uh, he's he's trying to do like this sort of like ancestral storytelling thing and then like with the cashier girl and her elderly whatever and like i don't know he's doing it's but like it's the it's those notes of that sort of like yeah, you can you can see the outline of what he wants to capture, yeah. but it's like it is a it is a Peter Pan shadow. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like that. It's also like when they're talking about Lewin Davis, he like mm-hmm. gives a little synopsis that it's about this musician whose band partner or whatever like killed himself, and like he's left to deal with it. And then he ends that paragraph with just the word spoilers exclamation point. <sighs> And I was like, oh, is this foreshadowing? And it's not. And it's like... <laughs> and it should be. Just do that. Like, have something happen to somebody, please. It lacks structure and also content, but mostly structure. It would not save the story if Karen killed herself, but, like, it would be something. At least it would be some kind of parallel. I don't know. It would, yeah. <laughs> there would be, be some kind of grit to it. It would, it would have yeah. texture, at least. Yeah, it's just soup. Like, it's not even soup, guys. It's like, you're just boiling water at this point. <laughs> not even tea. <laughs> it's, it's You, like, just forgot about the water. Like, you walked out of the <laughs> kitchen. That's what's going on here. The oh, pan God. is empty. It's, like, steaming on the bottom. <laughs> oh, no. You got that crust from the hard water. Yeah. All right, now that we've said these metaphors, let's explain them immediately. he can't help himself but do that it's so smug he can't leave anything to linger he can't trust the audience to be smart enough to figure anything out or like maybe it's just that he wants to feel smart by being like and here's what i did after i just showed you what i did that feels true like Like the like the magician immediately, you know, showing how they did the illusion, except there wasn't like a trick there. Like you hey. didn't, you didn't show me anything impressive and then you like you you fumbled the deck and then you were like, and here's how I did it. <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> like 
And sometimes that works, but the magician has to pull out a gun immediately and then shoot you. Like, (laughs) (laughs) it has to go somewhere with that behavior (laughs) in story. Doing, Doing misdirect and reveal is something that works really well in stuff like mystery but there are no mysteries here because there's no momentum like there's nothing to be uncovered because at at the heart of it there is nothing in the showers that's Mm -hmm. the point of the story is to sort of undo the speculation and the ideas that people have about it by saying well it could be anything which is another way of saying there's nothing nothing yeah last the showers part one the first two we talked about how like it seems like he wants to do it the psycho horror where it's like, it is what you make of it. That, that's the spooky <laughs> Silent Hill thing, right? And this material is rehashed in a way that made me think of like Silent Hill 3 and then and how it's like the same, it's the same components and like how that's effective versus this. I feel like that was kind of like the intent, but it didn't. You know, it's it's not there. There's, like, nothing there. Yeah, it's, like, it's trying to revisit. I mean, because it is literally revisiting the material. It's a sequel to The Fucking Showers. The story where one thing happens. You can only press that button so many times. And, like, he tries to shake it up by being like, there's deer this time. Okay, what did the deer represent? What is that? It's 2018, we do deer I now. guess because there's a buck and a yeah. doe, it's supposed to represent them? I guess. I think this was like, yeah, this was like the height of deers are scary before it, it collapsed into <laughs> a nebulous star of not deer stuff or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> a neutron star is the, 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 the thing I meant. <laughs> I was going to criticize this story for doing the thing that's like, oh, you have a trauma and you repress it and that causes bad things in your life. So what you do is you go and face the trauma and that fixes you because that's not like how things actually work. Uh, mm-hmm. And I made a note that he, he has misunderstood what his therapist was saying because there's no what no therapist would say the things he said his therapist said. But then <laughs> he, likes to do that he kind of just does a thing that's like, but actually I'm not fixed. I'm the new Mr. Mays. Keep doing versions of my story. Bye. Except I think he thinks that is his, like, redemption. Like, it's moderated a little bit. As good as it's gonna get. Yeah. And he's, like, he's in a position now where he's gonna be able to, you know, mentor someone and make a difference in their lives. And, you know, he he's just gonna, he's gonna shoulder it. I think this is being framed as triumphant it's definitely not like a defeat how i read it though i think it's much funnier to read it as the worst thing the worst possible outcome (laughs) is becoming a creative writing teacher teacher at a community (laughs) college he's like he's like i'm damned for all time i'm teaching a community (laughs) college and creative writing well karen was right when she said that what is a writer who doesn't write like he's not writing new stories he's like i'm gonna keep doing this one every year He's decided that, like, he doesn't get any other stories. He's just gonna keep doing this one forever. I need you guys to make, like, buff this one up for me, because I don't got any others. (laughs) There's something there. It's just, like, I don't know. It's just not developed. I think it's cool to be, like, okay, now go forth and tell the story yourself. That's a cool call to action, but this isn't, like... I think it fucking sucks. (laughs) 
this isn't like Tomino's Hell or like (laughs) Cow's Head or the Kimberly story. It's not like, I like urban legends. I like when people are like, but this this doesn't have the same sort of like, you gotta go tell the story. You'll be you'll be cursed, and, and a girl will come out of a well and stuff. Like it, there's <laughs> nothing here. We we pointed out last time that we talked about showers is that showers fails as an urban legend. Like it like it doesn't do the work of it in his original version. Like I struggle to imagine you know people doing the showers. Dylan Sindelar's the showers even in your own, like, spin on it, as though it's, like, a campfire story urban legend, in the same way that I can imagine someone doing Goatman, you know? Because Goatman feels like a genuine urban legend, a genuine campfire story. I tried to summarize the showers to, like, some people because I was telling them I was going to, like, record this podcast. And I was, like, I found it was just, like, really boring trying to just tell it to someone. Like, there's nothing really scary that happens in it like there's no there's no arc of it it's a hype bubble like the reason showers is scary is because he's told you he was really scared by the original version that his teacher told him and and he he can't do the story justice but like here's his version of it and aren't you really scared because you know that this is a scary story like there's an appeal in like urbexing and like exploring abandoned places that's sort of like innate i think but the story doesn't really lean heavily on that like okay fix it like if you did part two again wouldn't it be more fun to be like um we stopped at a random place it wasn't nebraska but showers was there what if it like moved about it's a location-based story because showers is so intentionally vague because it's supposed to be what you bring to it unless you give someone the building blocks to like make something of their own out of it it is very difficult to just take something that just this symbolizes the trauma and it's an empty room and sometimes there's a dirty child or maybe a deer no difference between a child and a deer. <laughs> Not really any. Yeah. Like, it's it's a lot harder to imagine retelling that as though it's your own story or, like, making a spin on it. But yeah, doing that, like, making it less location-based, less specific, I think, in terms of those, like, setting details, would make it feel as though this is a place that you could just wander into, like like a Devil's Gate kind of situation. Yeah! Kids are so cool. Well, and the elements of him just being like, I'm just giving random directions, and then it still leads them there is like, it's going in that direction, but then it just, uh, yeah. there's like something <laughs> interesting and mystical that just keeps getting discarded in favor of like, uh, I don't know, you know, it's like before it was like a, the kids, and it was really dark, remember? It was really dark. I, I broke more stuff in my body this time. Uh, a deer, <laughs> like, it was a little, there was a dim light, but then it went away. The dim light went away three different times in three different ways. Like, what if it was just, like, they get there and it's just, like, fully running, humming, fluorescent lights that you can't turn off. And you're just, yeah. instead of it being dark, you're, like, confronted with something in there. Because it's like, okay, you're doing a sequel, you're revisiting it. I don't necessarily need an explanation but I need, like, something brought more to the surface that wasn't there before. But this author is clearly very skittish to do anything in said showers. 
Yeah, there's still... <laughs> we read Mother Horse Eyes, and, like, Mother Horse Eyes works because there's a level of, like, like, very loose vulnerability and stuff, and this author guy refuses to, like, let the story breathe in any way, like, or be, like, naked. Like, okay, this is a really shallow example part, but, like, he's in the bathroom, he's like, um, I'm, I'm puking blood, I'm real fucked up, but I won't pass down on this bathroom floor. I'm not hitting rock bottom. Like, hit that rock bottom. Why are you holding back? <laughs> when are you going to, what, what else are you going to have a character pass out on the bathroom floor of a gas station? Fucking do it. I want to see it. <laughs> God. He, he, he doesn't even throw up because he has to save that for the final puke at the very end of the story when he is doing the denouement. Like, he can't throw up until the very end when he... When he purges and has the exorcism and, like, talks for a really long time about how he is literally purging the experience of the showers from his body. Fucking. Uh. <laughs> also, he keeps talking about how he definitely has an ulcer and he knows that because he's spitting up bright red blood. You do not spit up bright red blood <laughs> with an ulcer. You spit up, like, black coffee grounds shit because yeah. your body is partially digesting the blood from the ulcer. You spit, it, like, you have a tear in your esophagus or something if you were spit, like, PSA. Any red blood surface is yeah. surface blood. It's, 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 yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Because you're just in tears. Which, like, you should still go to the hospital or something for that if you can, because, like, if, yeah. if, if you have, like, an open wound in your throat or your tonsils or something, it can still continuously bleed and you can, like, have blood loss, it's right? Hard like, to, not it's good. hard to disinfect that, that space, too, compared to other parts of your body that can bleed from tears, you know? Yeah, it can, it can be really bad. So, like, if you are spitting up blood of any kind, whether it's, like, coffee grounds, ulcer blood, or, like, red blood from your throat, go to the hospital. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's like, I guess, similar to the headache thing. It was like the getting the body experience of him trying to make himself throw up and then just like choking himself with his fingers. I was, I was like, okay, this could be something. But then it's, it's not. He just like, it's just actually his body. It's not like a weird experience. It's just like, for whatever reason, he's just going to throw up after the experience, like you said. In that moment when he first is like, inter- it also. The, like, body stuff at first is getting me, like, ooh, yeah, like, what's going on? And then it just keeps going of, like, and then my head hurt, and my (laughs) jaw hurt, and then my fingers, and my head hurt, and my jaw hurt. But, like, at first it almost feels like Jacob's Ladder, where he's like, I feel really fucked up. And people around him are like, what's your problem, dude? And it's like... I compare it in my notes, though. It's Jacob's Ladder, because, like, he's trying to do it, but, like, man, this isn't Jacob's Ladder. <laughs> like, <laughs> No, not even close. This is, Karen is not Jezebel. <laughs> I was thinking, like, of other surreal work that I know. The thing about his puking up and it having no substance or meaning within the story, this is, like, leftover Slenderverse shit. <laughs> yeah. Uh... Throwing up and, like, throwing up, like, black bile and stuff is, like, a, that's a big, or, like, throwing up blood is, like, a common Slenderverse trope there's a concept called slender sickness by the fan base basically oh my god i uh, hate this that appears (laughs) 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 it it appears in lots of different series and like symbolizes and like does different things in different stories like it there was blood in a sink in marble hornet and people interpreted from that slender man makes you puke blood which is not what was happening in that scene. No. But that's the thing that ended up being, like, telephone game all the way down yeah. the line to the point that it's, like, 
thing that Slender Man makes you do is like spit yeah. up black shit or blood. And and that I think is also, you know, he's constantly like spitting up blood and puking or or like gagging. He he really, I think, wanted to shake out some some like slender man y stuff that he mm-hmm. wasn't getting to do. And it just I don't it doesn't feel right. None of this feels right. Did this feel good to write? Yeah. I have to wonder, like, did this feel cathartic? I don't know. I don't I can't imagine it being. But also, like like loosely tying that there's this thing he does with the laptop and it's just like, do you think the laptop made you do that? <laughs> What are you talking about? Oh, the laptop thing feels like he's trying to talk like a noir narrator about a typewriter. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't make sense. <laughs> like, dude, it's 20 to whatever this was posted in. What are you talking about? Hey, you can get on your Reddit account from anywhere. Like, <laughs> like have you lost access to the email that it's connected to? Like, you can get your password sent to any email account, you know. This is not how the menace of a cursed story, so you can't even, like, he wants it to be. It's supposed to be a cursed story. But, like, him being like, I've quarantined the store in this laptop, and I hold my trauma in here, and now I'll bury it forever. Like, you didn't write the thing you think you write, I think. He says that, but he can't hold that consistently because he's like, and I'm gonna tell the shower story to my students at the community college of forever and i want you to also take the story and run with it like he's not burying it he's not repressing it he's not throwing it away but that's framed like he's passing his trauma on the way mr mays did like i was hurt and now i'm gonna hurt you now you're hurt forever take my pain it's like (laughs) okay hellraiser like (laughs) look i'll admit this story is a cognito hazard (laughs) <laughs> but in not a... the way he thinks it is <laughs> yeah uh, I think that's a fun concept like a really bad story that in itself is sort of like affects you like it's not necessarily scary <laughs> but it has like effects <laughs> the, the hazard of being pissed off <laughs> I was reading this and doing like little oblivion like oh while reading like <laughs> Taking, taking like frame by frame poison damage. Exactly. <laughs> and like, okay, thinking about the physical damage, like we see him take damage and like take all these spills and falls, but like he's not doing anything. Yeah, slapstick ass. In this moment, like it's not like he's running around frantically and like slipping and spilling and stuff. He's just like he he is leaning on a wall and then the wall goes away and he immediately falls and fucking cracks his head and it's the biggest fucking deal in the world and he breaks his fingers. How did he like, break his <laughs> fingers doing that? Hey. I still don't understand. <laughs> he like he fell over holding someone on his side. Like yeah. that would not break your fingers. Is he made of glass? People who are uncomfortable with writing gore often break fingers within their stories. It's a really weird phenomenon. I, hmm. I guess it's like it feels like it's really extreme but like it stops being like hardcore I guess. Like everything I've ever read where someone's like this is my twisted nightmare thingy promising me some guts and gore. It's like your fingers got broke. Okay bye now. Like you're just not comfortable <laughs> writing gore. Just don't do it. You don't have to. No one's making you. Good point. Going back to my 
derby days talking about the likelihood of this injury or that or whatever mm-hmm. is like okay he fell suddenly unexpectedly in the dark and he assuming like put his hand out and like that's what like you you might break your fingers if your fingers hit first but they wouldn't like bend back like that without some no. pliance but probably what happens which is why you wrist, wear wrist guards, is you fracture your wrist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Really you sprain insane. your wrist, maybe you sprain your fingers or your thumb or something, but, like, you probably wouldn't break a bone doing that. <laughs> yeah, he was, like, going very slowly. What if it was a horse in the showers and he would just stomp to death? I think that would have <laughs> increased the mystery and the likelihood of the injuries. Okay, what if he died there and Karen told the story? <laughs> I was thinking about this as we were talking earlier. I was like, what if he got to be the victim? That might be a change in the story. That might be something yeah. different. Yeah, oh yeah, that would shake it up a little bit. And and, and it would actually add to, because he's constantly being like, oh, the showers is pulling me in. It's, it's like magnetizing me and I'm being drawn back in. It wants me, it's hungry for me. And then like nothing happens. And he leaves, and he's definitely never going to come back this time. Yeah, like, why? Nothing happened, dude. But, like, he he proved that it existed, and if it's drawing him in, it should keep him. The only reason that it can't is because it has to come from Jack's perspective, because he's the point-of-view character, he's the special main boy. But he also can't kill Karen, because... His whole gesturing at being, like, a self-aware feminist, being like, <laughs> I know she's gonna come across bad to you guys, but, like, I promise, like, she was, like, a really interesting and deep person, even though she comes across, like, bizarre caricature. I was thinking of her as a manic pixie dream girl, because I was just slotting her into a role, and I shouldn't have done that. But also, I am going to write her as a Manic Pixie yeah. Dream Girl, and I am never going to develop her beyond that point. Because I've acknowledged that that th- that this is the bad thing to do. So I don't actually have to change the way that I am thinking about or writing about this character. Because she's, she's a strong female character, because she so can fight. Toothless. <laughs> yeah and like he justifies it by being like she has a stickery and she can fight those aren't human traits dude i forgot she had a great right hook because it didn't matter and i could tell yeah. it didn't matter very quickly the only time that it comes up is because she punches him yeah and after like... that like <laughs> and then she breaks four bones <laughs> she explodes in blood and cries forever is the most traumatized person in the world because she doubted the main character she's not like a girly stupid woman girl she could punch is what is like that takeaway like <laughs> that, that doesn't appeal me to the character it's very mean. yeah that doesn't appeal me to the character you just described a violent alcoholic like <laughs> you guys don't like my yandere gf I think if the story went that way, that's she's so been awesome. actually Yandere, like, she would be more interesting. Yeah. We broke up, and now this is, like, she's kidnapped me and taken me to Misery Style to the showers. Like, how much would that rule? 
<laughs> yeah, okay. <Amazing>. Yeah. <laughs> Alternate version of the story is that, like, she gets so obsessed with this thing, and she's, like, tracked him down, actually. Like, she knew that he was the guy who wrote the showers before he even told her. Ooh. Oh, fuck yeah. He tries to break up with her because it's like, oh, we have a really toxic relationship. We don't get along. And she is like, okay, well, we're going to go to the fucking showers. Um, and she gets eaten by deers or something. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's cool. It's fine. Like coyotes. Many such cases. Something real. <laughs> <laughs> Can I say a crazy idea I had about this story? Yes. Absolutely. So being in the like Jacob's Ladder headspace, but also it's like there being very little substance to the relationship with Karen besides mm-hmm. like, I want more mm-hmm. of your story. And then he's like, freaking out and everything feels bad and he has boo-boos um and then she's like i'm going in and she like goes inside the darkness and it's described as like being up to her hips and it's just like there's a thing a little bit of like you think about how good this guy thinks his initial story is how he's like yeah that's why i think it was so good to people you know is this thing of like it almost the actual psychosexual dynamics being put on display here is that he's being cucked by his story. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love like that. Like, the, the story is seducing his girlfriend out from underneath him. Oh my god. If that had, like... Karen should run away with the showers beast. Yeah. Once again. We'll come back to this, but, like... <laughs> I think part of the thing I was, like, trying to figure out, like, what can I scrape out that's Karen's deal? And, like, the thing I kept coming back to is like Karen wants to fuck the showers. Yeah. And <laughs> Jack is her intermediary for this for a time. I think that's re- I like that. More people should explore that instead of like trying to like leap the woman character or whatever around back to being like faithful and loyal girly when there's horrors around. Like you just do it. <laughs> if you are writing yourself insert character getting cucked by your own story that has to be so like ego demolishing like you have to be a genuinely like like someone who is willing to write something much more vulnerable than this guy is willing to write you know for that to be the story that you're going after yeah this guy would not be vulnerable message to all bitches i am gripping you so tightly (laughs) please be vulnerable as evidenced by his lack of an editor i'm gonna guess there's no vulnerability with this it's just like no i made it good it's going up when he talks about how he cringes at all the typos oh, and the, and the bleach, bad like... writing in the original version, yeah. there are so many fucking typos and weird mistakes and, like, everything about the writing of this one. Like, you didn't improve! In five years! Like, you actually got worse! <laughs> it's an R.C. Dart situation. It is. This, oh, God. Um, like, the meta of it, though, <laughs> is that he's so fucked up and, like, skill atrophied is that he's writing this nonsense but like it's all i think it's just a general author's skill issue and not the character but like that could be a <laughs> cool compelling character for a bit you know like oh me i forgot all right but this thing happened so here you go big reddit.gov <laughs> i find there to be something really compelling about the idea of writing from the perspective of a bad writer. Yeah, it's fun. Right? Yeah. Like, someone whose prose is, is like, uh, underdeveloped or overly flowery. But the problem is, it's very hard to do that 
mm-hmm. without it just seeming like you were a bad writer. This is like a high <laughs> skill concept. That's like a like a Nabokov thing to mm-hmm. do. Like I'm I'm finally onto onto Pale Fire. There's so much discussion about like what actually is the meaning of Pale Fire. Is it supposed to be a joke or not? I think it kind of is a joke. I think the point of the story is that John Shade, his poem is not technically competent. Mm-hmm. Even though it is, like, emotionally vulnerable in many ways, it's bad to read, and yet he has all these sycophants who mm-hmm. are so obsessed with his poem because he has the signifiers of being a guy who's good at poetry. Right? Like, That's the joke yeah. of the book, is that it's about an academic poet. And, like, what that means. That's what this should be about. I can imagine a version of The Showers where it is written with more self-awareness that this guy is, like, an insufferable fuck, that he is, like, this pretentious, like, ex-emo, hipstery sort of guy who name-dropping stuff to show off how, like, deep and and cultured and well-read and stuff that he is while, like, clearly not actually understanding this stuff, understanding the topics that he's talking about. Yeah, like, that's something. People want to do this kind of thing without putting much thought into, like, the individual parts coming together. Like, just by the merit of you writing makes you somehow, like, elevated, you know? The actual, like, prose is really bad too in a lot of parts like did you guys pick out quotes of things that just like pissed you off do we do we want a round table on specific quotes of of bad writing i don't know if this is like necessarily like the worst writing but i thought it was audacious so i saved this quote (laughs) okay he says i'm not dense i know that the real fear lies in the unknown horror was my bread and butter (laughs) that was also one that i picked out first of all Really funny of him to, to talk about how fear lies in the unknown. Yeah, and then be like, it was a it was a deer. Also, like really, really short. <laughs> I know what a deer this. is. <laughs> <laughs> but also, like the the condescension with which he addresses the audience or the potential audience's perspective on what it could be. Really similar to the way that. Um, he talked about, like, the way that the high schoolers were theorizing about the original story. It's like, I don't think he has actually read any theories about what the showers were. He is making things up because he thinks that everyone else but him is stupid. Yeah. But also... Very transparent. Yeah. Real funny of him to say, I'm not dense. I know that the real fear lies in the uh, the unknown. Horror was my bread and butter. You're silly. You're being (laughs) silly. The thing is, a lot of these guys cut their teeth on what they assume is horror, but they're really, like, satirical pieces written with, like, <laughs> horror aesthetic, and they really incorporate that into their their mythos of themselves. Not, like, personal shade, but it's like, you know, like, you could probably summarize everything this person has read that's led them to making this story. <laughs> it's like, I don't think horror is your bread and butter because you don't know how to tell a scary story. <laughs> There's a lot of things in the showers that's cool, and there's things here that's kind of cool, but, oh, the entire part where we repeat the gas station stuff to no avail, like, <laughs> they're not, they're from Nebraska, we're not Alabama or Georgia, why is she talking like this? People don't deal with anything related to that sort of business around here anymore. Do you know what fucking Nebraska is? 
I I also don't think anybody talks like that. That's such a jumbled sentence. Yeah. It's it's similar to like the way that you know, uh, Mr. Mays talks, which has no relationship to any accent or dialect from, you know, 1940s onwards. <laughs> Like, if the showers was set during the Dust Bowl, yeah. um, maybe I could believe it. This is really fun. We're opening up an, an AU. Another part <laughs> that is, I didn't get line by line, but there's the part where he falls at first and he shatters his screen, right? And there's this really brief moment that's like, if this story was just a little subtler... That'd be cool. This this whole thing's about our relationship exploding. Showers represents relationships <laughs> yeah. coming apart. But then it's immediately followed up by just nonsense. Just like <laughs> just, just a whole paragraph of not important in this moment nonsense about bars and the way he looks all fucked up in the picture. Can you can you hurry this up? <laughs> you are spoiling anything. He, you built he does up. not know when to put any information. Yeah. More body commentary there he talks about he rubs his finger against the cracked screen and he gets like uh these pieces like get embedded they like kind (laughs) of kind of scratch him and get embedded in his finger and it's like anybody who's had a shattered phone screen in the past 10 years knows that that like is not what happens yeah he says he says like oh i'll go replace the screen like dude you have like an iphone 25 people don't do that you gotta go get the, the, the like the oldest android that still works you're a bartender <laughs> the, the the one that i pulled out that i like i just picked it because i thought that it was just horrific prose Barren earth occasionally gave way to tufts of shorn trees that reached futilely towards the grey heavens above, seemingly ignored. They now resembled petrified roots that had aggressively snuffed out any hint of life that had once inhabited their numbers. What the fuck? (laughs) Oh, man. It's so overwritten. It's like, it's fully thesaurus drafted. This story is full of things like that where you go like, wait, what was the point of that? And then the more you look at it, you're like, what the fuck? Why did you write that? It's like a writing exercise, but we're in a lot of writing exercises are not just like nonsense prompts, wasting your time kind of deal. That's how the story reads. I picked out one other quote. I would be out with a friend looking for some decent conversation or a better lay. Which is like a simple <laughs> sentence, but I hate it so much. So, you know, okay. It's, it's just really obnoxious. Yeah. You know that post that's like uh, a girl's body count of like people who she slept with and there's like off of Reddit and 4chan and someone's like, you stopped like 10 school shootings. That's like this guy, but like the other direction. Oh god. <laughs> Like, you're famous from Reddit, He invented, guy. like, a 20 female dating strategy, ladies. Yeah. <laughs> He's it's... a martyr, actually. <laughs> it's also one of these things where it's like, when you stop, it's like, decent conversation or a better, like, you want sex that's better than the conversation? That's crazy, dude. <laughs> you're out being wild. Guys, you're like 6'1". <laughs> we'll think their writing prose is unbeatable. It just comes across so douchey. And and this is also another contrast with like Mother Horse Eyes Nick, mm-hmm. who like is a is a despicable 
unlikable person is also often really pretentious, but also, like, does not do a lot of, like, sugarcoating, is not bragging about his body count and how easy it is for him to fuck girls, like, is, is mostly like, yeah, I'm a piece of shit, I can't keep a job, I can't keep a house, I, I have been in and out of the fucking halfway house, he's allowing this character to be at rock bottom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like the difference between a power fantasy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Without having to balance it out with being a power fantasy, he's 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 just a mad prophet. Yeah, it's like the House of Lee situation where it's like more power fantasy than the story, and it doesn't give itself room to be about the trauma that it's about. So it's just like a, a colossal waste of your time, really. <laughs> yeah, it wants the illusion of dirt without giving you the dirt. I would love if this guy wrote about some fucking dirt instead of. Oh my god. We need to get him to write about something that is, like, emotionally honest. We need to yeah. hold his hand down on the on the hot stove of emotional vulnerability until he screams. Yeah, this is about showers, <laughs> but in ML Anderson, he's like, his character has been in the asylum for, like, since yeah. he was born. <laughs> I kept thinking about that during the Yeah, he was like, oh, I was was in an asylum for ten years and I've just been released. (laughs) I think we talked about this in the last episode, too. It's so fucking stupid. (laughs) He's allergic to research. It's so funny. You saying dirt reminded me of something in the dirt, a movie I watched a bit ago. It it has something to do with the showers, but you, you guys should watch it. It's like this mockumentary. It's pretty... You said something in the dirt? Yeah, something in the dirt. Another thing I've been thinking about with this story, because I was trying to find, like, where can I, like, notice moments of author-narrator separation, and it's, like, very hard. Michael Lutz and Cameron Kunzelman have started this show recently, another podcast, and they, mm-hmm. they're reading Shadow of the Torturer by Gene Wolfe, which is this dark fantasy slash like cursed earth book where Mm -hmm. the idea is the book is like kind of the journal of this torturer guy and so you're getting everything through his eyes as he tells you about it what he thinks is important and this is like how you see every part of the world in the story and you have these like room for interesting discussions of like is this Gene Wolfe's like power fantasy or is he like commenting about like gender and like power in this character mm-hmm. and in this society oh, yeah that's cool again here like you said earlier there's no mystery it it feels pretty one-to-one for being so confessional and so personal it lacks any feeling of intimacy it's like yeah. critical and horror i think there's like there's definitely stuff that's effective horror that's not that's like a step or two removed but it's a different sort of tone then, you know? It's like, even stuff that's sort of, like, like an arm's length away still creates dread, you know? Like, mm-hmm. old gothic horror is necessarily not, like, vulnerably scathing, but it's about, like, a, a real, like, exploration of, like, certain taboo topics, at least. We, we brought up Stephen King earlier, and, like, I think that is ultimately what... Sindelar is trying to go for overall. It does feel a is bit. like a sort of this is a maneuver that Stephen King also kind of does, where like 
Mm-hmm. If the main character of a Stephen King book is like an adult man, <laughs> it's Stephen he's King probably himself. Stephen King. <laughs> you know, Stephen King. <laughs> but like, he's using that in ways that are sometimes really harsh or mm-hmm. revealing. Like, yeah. you know, Shining, right? Yeah. I think it's fun to do that. I think there's, there's like, something there to putting yourself as the main character and then, like, uh, gutting yourself. It's cool. Everyone go do it. And again, that's also the texture of, like, Mother Horse Eyes. It it feels very confessional in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Like, it feels like it is drawing, if not one-to-one, then a lot of details from this person's life. It just creates... A, a texture with the way that it's interacting with the commentary that he's creating. Mm-hmm. We're like, I don't think Sindelar has developed that skill enough to be able to comment on himself. Yeah. If we, like, boil this bad boy down, derogatory, <laughs> <laughs> what's the core like drive here was like the substance of the things he is expressing like he's afraid of being irrelevant he's afraid of his career like plateauing he's afraid of settling and that is so much good material to work from for a horror story Mm -hmm. those are all anxieties those are all things that like you can bring into the showers Mm -hmm. But he's not willing to show the actual fears in the showers space. Mm-hmm. He just rehashes the details that we know from the story that we read before. Like mm-hmm. Jack's uh, like a psychotic nightmare in the dark is just literally rehashing the last story. He's getting quotes from Mr. Mays pulled back through. Yes. Again, it's not surreal enough to merit the thing he is doing. So he's puking up blood and shaking all sort of stuff. <laughs> and there's something there, too, to be like, okay, you're going to die before you accomplish anything. And he views the shower success as, like, not a worthy accomplishment. It's not, like, a novel. It's not, like, a book deal. It's not, like, whatever his, like, lofty goal is. And to, then, to like, present, like, well, I have successes, but they're, like, it's not good enough. It's not enough. And then you could go two directions, you can probably go multiple directions but there's like, there's a direction of like why is it not good enough? Or this direction is like your flawed thinking here is going to lead to situations happening. Yeah, like if if he is tempted to return rather than just sort of like coerced along because he's attempting to return to the glory of when he was relevant. There's like a literary history that one could tap into if one so chose. Because, <laughs> like, Karen is the audience, right? Like, she is sort of the stand-in for the audience who is, like, f- devoted and fascinated, but also, like, you know, fickle in the way of the the audience, generally. Mm-hmm. And, like, she's the one who wants to hear showers over and over again, like, wants to revisit it, wants to know exactly what happened. Is the ultimate message, leave me alone about the fucking showers, I don't want to do the showers anymore? <laughs> I think, maybe? That's really funny. Because <laughs> it, it doesn't come off that way. It comes across like, 
everyone please do the showers forever. But also, you, the audience, are my abusive girlfriend who hits me. (laughs) It's the thing of, like, oh, no, no, the showers, oh, that's in my past. I know, it's great. Oh, no, no, I don't. (laughs) Like, please don't ask me about my great story. (laughs) In this same area, I really, really hated it when Karen is like, we're in Kansas, or whatever the line is, and it's like, why would she say that? She knows we're in Nebraska. He's not lying when he says we're in Nebraska. It's like, it's just really stupid. They're stupid little fight. Yeah, the story treats Karen so badly. She, she, she's supposedly this, like, super fan, and yet is wrong about the location. Doesn't recognize what the girl says as being, like, a direct quote. Yeah, it's weird. Or, I mean, maybe because it didn't happen? Huh? I don't, yeah. Maybe, okay, okay. We read Showers, and the story has reconfigured itself. <laughs> what he wrote down is something totally different, and we know, like, the truth. And this is, like, his final... He Steins gated himself. <laughs> oh, see, that's kind of fun, if that was reality. <laughs> By writing down the story in one configuration and having it exist in that format, the reason he can't fully remember the story is because by posting it when he did, he he changed the timeline. And so he is in a different timeline where the story was different and not the one that we have access to. Man, you can have that for free, I think. I think, well... An operating a service where we release things into the wild after rehabilitating them. <laughs> we're, we're just like an idea factory, like a prompt factory sometimes when we oh, get man. these ones that are like, that we just hate so much. Oh. <laughs> I want to consider, what did Brian see on this trip? Yeah! <laughs> Fucking nothing! He saw... <laughs> he saw... Is friends who are a couple come back not a couple? One of them bodily injured quite a bit with the girlfriend continuing to punch him. Fucking bleeding, concussed, hand broken, just destroyed. I think he missed the initial punch because- Okay, another thing is that, like, Dylan Sindelar does not know how long it takes to uh, pass out yeah, from, like, he's allergic to, like, to Like to get fucking high and then go to sleep. You know, like he, uh, Brian is vegging in the car, maybe, but to say like in the five minutes or whatever that they've been tramping around this <laughs> empty field that, but b- before she starts wailing on him, that like <laughs> he would have like <laughs> smoked and then immediately gone to sleep and been like passed out, unable to drive. The sudden is experiencing <laughs> against us. <laughs> Thing is, it's it's the opposite of the of the alcohol uh, yeah. problem. <laughs> Man, all... well, this is what happens when you create a character who is just there, so nobody can, so nobody drinks and drives. <laughs> he, he likes he's high the entire time. It's so stupid. He wanted them to have like a like a person who can rescue them at the yeah. end because he needed someone who can like open the door and and rescue Jack the first time because it is like. He couldn't come up with a way to make it feasible without having the scare literally undo itself mechanically. Like, 
The scare undoes itself because someone discovers Jack and, in this case, Jack and Karen, and rescues them. He is smart enough to not have the scare physically undo itself to let them escape. Here's a real thing, though. Okay, they they find this, like, root cellar that survived whatever bulldozing, and now they're trapped in there. It's winter, the door is broken, they don't have food, they don't have water. Like, there's a real thing happening. And they're covered <laughs> in cold water. Yeah, there's sort of, like, a real danger, like, real fears are, like, knocked aside for, like, this sight and sound, like, haunted house-ass aesthetic, and it's like... <laughs> If this was uh, toned down a little bit, like, subtler, it just needs some subtlety. You could have this real fear, you could be there for like a half an hour because this guy's napping, you could be like in real danger of like dying, and then like, like, just a little bit, something kind of like inexplicable happens, and that's it. You got it. Because he's having this anxiety of like, what if I did make it all up? What if nothing actually happened? Yeah. That is his worst fear in this moment, right? Like, yeah. what happens if nothing actually oh. happened the whole time? Yeah. What happens if they go down there and Karen realizes that he's a fraud, which is the thing that he is the most afraid of? So we're in a situation where it's like real, tangible, physical, you're gonna die kind of thing. And- yeah. He experiences nothing. He's like, oh, fuck, I made it up. Oh, what's wrong with my brain <laughs> sort of situation? And Karen is, like, rattled. She doesn't say anything. Like, she, you still get, like, the leaving and departing, and, you're, and he's left wondering, like, hey, why was Karen so fucked up at the end? Nothing happened. What You know? Like, like yeah. the torch gets passed on because something did happen to her, and she's not willing to talk about it. Yeah, I mean, like, that's, that's also another way of handling it that just brings another perspective on the showers instead of just having it be a, a rehash you know what's funny is the story does lend itself to the want a retelling <laughs> no yeah <laughs> he's got us because <laughs> i thought of like five different versions already right like each of us individually has thought of so many want to go out and tell our own versions of this urban legend about what happened to us or to our cousins or our dads or whatever we just like want the story to be good we're like <laughs> okay well what if the story happened again but it was better this time the bad prose is just the little like bait in the snare <laughs> oh man yeah it's like when people write really bad fan fiction for a fetish they want more fetish content for it <laughs> So people will see it and be like, oh, this is dog. I need to write my own. It's a, it's a milling. So he's, he's out there farming. <laughs> also, vis-a-vis getting cold water dumped on you in the middle of winter, he does not suffer at all from that. Yeah. Like, he he's like, my hand was bleeding all over from cutting it on this metal and my in my hands my fingers were broken and i had the worst headache in the world and i was fucking drunk as shit and and i had a concussion etc <laughs> etc it's like girl you are getting hypothermia and you are not addressing this at all yeah the liquor made him feel warm but he was almost dead 
oh my god, yeah, because he has so much alcohol in his system, it should be even more dangerous. Like, he should have to go to the hospital after this, like, immediately. I would love if there was just a line of, like, and then I got really hot, and I didn't know what was up with that. I got fucking naked in the showers. It was just, like, a whole thing. Like, oh, what if he lost some fingers? What if he's, like, it's so hard to type now because I only have three fingers? Like, you what, did he get his fingers sliced off when he cut his hand? No, this is the hypothermia. Did he crush his fingers and they had to be <laughs> amputated? Frostbitten. Yeah, he's got the... <laughs> They're, like, in there for a whole day. Like, I don't know what happens to Brian. Brian, like, gets abducted or something. <laughs> <laughs> Brian's like, oh, I forgot you guys went down there. My bad. <laughs> and goes get the next I started playing solitaire on my phone and lost track of time. <laughs> oh man, I really had you to pee it and then got like lost and then I was like I was really tired <laughs> and then I forgot what this place was. <laughs> he was fucking like they were screaming, but he was just like blasting music in the car while fucking <laughs> lighting up. They were down there for like a good twelve hours. Yeah, oh, see? Like that's fun. Our rewrites are, are very in, like, the, the gas station story realm. And that's another story. It's, like, about a guy who is an author, you know? <laughs> I mean, so many of these stories are just because of the nature mm-hmm. of No Sleep and the format that you take when posting there. Mm-hmm. A lot of them don't acknowledge that, like, they are guys who write. Hey, he's also named Jack. That's interesting. Yeah, uh, guys will just be named Jack. Yeah. <laughs> Like, it's always going to be a wank, but, like, you're invited to wank along with it, and that's essential, I think. <laughs> Circle jerk. That's the Yeah. Term. Yeah. <laughs> the critical of this, story, this type of, like, subgenre of whatever. I don't, I don't think Bub is a good pet name. No. Yeah, it's weird. Like, the, the decade writing, it, it feels, you know, like, influenced by some past sort of thing. Yeah, it's it seems like it's trying to come across as, like, timeless, but it ends up just being dated. Yeah, really weird way. Yeah. Maybe if this were a book, and if it were well-written, but if it were in a similar kind of style, and a book, you could be, like, you're supposed to be able to assume that it's whatever time period you're bringing to it. Yeah. But it's on Reddit. Yeah, it's a thing. Like, there's just more room to do stuff like this in, like, a short story, physical or digital or whatever that's book-like, you know? It can even be this bad, and there'd be like, oh, that was kind of like a sus, fine, tingler, weird, and then you move on with your life. It's, it's interesting the way that, like, in the wake of this, the showers ended up really being left by the wayside, like... Mm-hmm. Like, the original Showers was really, really beloved, really respected. Like, people cared a lot about it, and it was one of the big things that you recommended to any sort of, like, no-sleep newbie, creepypasta newbie, whatever. It's like, oh, yeah. you gotta read Showers. But now, like, Who does I that? think because of this, because people have realized this fucking sucks... People don't really recommend showers anymore. It's the same thing with Emil Anderson, right? It was it, it came out of the whatever, like a like a racing horse or something. What racing horses are in, 
and like people were like, "Oh, this is gonna dethrone out the, the gate." Gate, yeah, came out the gate hot, and um, <laughs> and it's gonna dethrone the the big three or whatever. And now, who even recommends it? You know, like literally, unless they are just like into shipping or whatever. Yeah, I feel like there's also like last time I was on this podcast, I mm-hmm. I mentioned like my main experience with creepy pasta was like back in the like 4chan days and i feel like some of the stuff wrong with this is representative of like the stylistic shift when you go from like a pot like creepypasta where you're really like copying pasting on 4chan to the reddit thing which is the like Mm. bigger emphasis on the author who is no longer anonymous yeah Yeah, very like growing pains yeah it's, it's, it's all about reputation building and yeah. brand. I think it's bad for people. I think <laughs> maybe this guy would flourish more in a, an environment that's like the copy paste anonymous like weird story and go, you know? Less of a need to uh, hold on to like a legacy and build up something really big. Because being good at like a, a short small concept, even if you can poke holes at it, it's like that's not everyone can do that, you know? I mean like would he gravitate towards the like anonymous posting i mean probably not i'm I'm inventing a guy (laughs) i think the thing is like you couldn't do the thing you did either versions of the showers of like i really love stories and i really love writing and have it flourish in that Mm -hmm. like older way the way that Yeah. yeah that it did on reddit yeah, it just would just be a different beast. Yeah, like even even if it had been posted anonymously, it would have a different vibe than if you were intentionally trying to craft like character author persona the way that he is trying to do with this Jack character. Uh, I don't know if he's even like posted any writing since then. Even he must have. Uh, well, he got rid of his laptop. Maybe <laughs> he's become like a monk. <laughs> Like, it's a shame if he wasn't, because... Is it? I guess, I don't know. <laughs> I want to believe a version of the people who are like, I need to go get some technical skills, I'm gonna work real hard. But, you know. I I want that for people, but, like, I'm not holding my breath about it. Yeah, there are other, he had five other years. guys. Yeah. <laughs> he did have five years, and he got worse. <laughs> <laughs> There are other people out there, you know? That's right, (laughs) that's right. There's other guys. Yeah, there's so (laughs) many guys out there doing stuff. We have seen growth over, like, a roughly five-year period over the course of us doing uh, this this podcast. God, shout out gas station yeah yeah like really that's all we need really we can, we can sublimate our desires for cindalar onto jack townsend we can just say okay go do that right now did you know showers won uh no sleep scariest story 2012 yes yes <laughs> i did know and and uh, we mentioned that last time and i got really really angry oh, right. because pen pal also came out in 2012 i think our vexing is really cool and it made me want to go explore abandoned buildings so like Mission accomplished, I guess. The one positive that this brings into the world yeah. is like making urbexing seem cool. You could see a deer. I could see a deer. Or maybe a dirty child. <laughs> no difference between the two. 
Okay. I, I'll say that Jonah is 5'11", and Jonah has purple hair and plays bass guitar. And if this doesn't make sense, maybe you should replace Jonah's name with mine. Think about it. <laughs> yeah, that's about you. Yeah. I'm, I am 4'11". I'm a full foot shorter than you. That's fine. KT, do you want to drop any plugs? I wish. <laughs> Sorry. I'm in the middle of working on stuff. Oh, that's cool. I'll, I can just talk about a project real quick if that's Hell okay. Hell yeah. Absolutely. So I've been making music to be released under uh, one of my other names, uh, Filth Burger. And mm-hmm. what I've done for, like, I'm working on, like, a three-song EP, basically. That's sick. And what I'm doing for it is, when I was, like, a, ah, I got this, like, constructed instrument made from, like, scrap and junk from this guy who makes his own, like, builds instruments um, a while back. And so it's, like, a percussion thing. I'm not, like, a drummer, but I did sample a lot of, like, hitting it a lot of different ways. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, like, taking those samples and using, and, like, cleaning them up and doing things to them to construct Mm -hmm. beats to play over along with I do glitch art where I import images into Audacity and like mess with them in Audacity and send back out. So then I'm like, each song has a corresponding glitch art image I've made and I'm like sampling the noise I've made from that in the song as well. Oh, that's really cool. That has been a long going process just because of the ground up nature of it. But Mm -hmm. I hope to have it like released this year. Oh, that's gonna rip hard. Uh, it's been very fun working on it. I have a band camp. It has like one thing that I made very quickly <laughs> in October of 2020, I think. Mm-hmm. It's just filthburger.bandcamp.com. Good luck with it. Sounds <laughs> so cool. Yeah, it's a really cool I like I I remember hearing about your like um image to audacity glitch noise um project like a like a while ago. Yeah, that's so inspired. Um, like hearing that that was part of your like method and being like wow that's the coolest thing ever yeah yeah i'm like a purple haired trans woman or something Um, (laughs) it's your your right to make the coolest music ever (laughs) and you know contrary to some people i'm trying not to put pressure on myself to make like something so great and perfect uh Mm -hmm. and make this part of my ego and stuff just, just... <laughs> yeah, and have it eat you from the inside out. Yeah. yeah. And then five years later, go, well, yeah, remember when I released that one thing? That was, Everybody liked it, right? Um... I think a concept <laughs> album when you're talking about accolades that didn't necessarily happen. <laughs> just, like interviews and like reports well, and actually, stuff. Actually, I think it would be high art. Yeah, I think that would be, be high art. I think that would be really cool. Oh, yeah, it's, like, people who know that it's a satire of The Showers, yeah. too, are like, whoa. <laughs> what people are saying for The Showers. But other people are like, what's she doing? <laughs> it's gonna blow people's minds. Oh, okay, okay. What people are saying for The Showers, and each is a hyperlink to, like, an obituary of that person. I think that'd be cool. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, it looks like we're going to wrap it up there for tonight. What do you think of the showers? Leave a comment, send us an email, and tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from you. If you like the show, go ahead and leave a like or a review, rate us, and share us with your friends. On our next episode, we will be discussing Jeff the Killer and related texts. This has been the Creepypasta Book Club. Thank you, and good night.